Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Before we get to today's interview with Zeke Naji, I want to tell you about Hassle Cattle Company. You guys know them. Hassle Cattle Company, hassle-free meats delivered right to your door. And the best Wagyu beef you can get in America, blue-collar Wagyu, because it's delicious prime steaks, but for the everyman, priced for the everyman, you want to check them out. This is the company that, again, offers you a lot of different packages. You can get steaks, you can get hamburgers, uh, sausages, beef jerky, all kinds of different things. You can mix and, mix and match. They got salsas. They got all kinds of stuff. Uh, Family-owned company out of Texas. Deliver straight to your door. Deliver all over the USA. Um, you want to check them out. We get this stuff. We've got a, a package shipped to us for free. But to tell you how good these things are, we get the little sampler so that we know what it is. Almost everybody on, on staff has ordered again from them. Uh, you know, liked it so much. They're like, hey, man, we want more of this stuff. Uh, and I highly recommend it. If you are somebody that likes steaks, likes hamburger meat, it's something you spend money on. Get the best stuff. No more spending on the cheap stuff right from the from the grocery store. Get these right from Hassle Cattle Company. Go to H-A-S-S-E-L-L, HassleCattleCompany.com. And use the promo code DNVR10 to get 10% off your order. And if you spend over $200, uh, you know, maybe you want to get meats for, you know, uh, several months, not just for, you know, the weekend or barbecue or whatever, but uh, really set yourself up for, for the year. You spend over $200, you're going to get uh, free shipping. Check them out. What is up, everybody, and welcome into a very special edition of the DNBR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Of course, download that app onto your phone and use promo code DNBR when you do. Uh, today's show, guys, a special one. We sat down over the weekend with Zeke Naji, myself, Harrison Wynn, Devalier, superstar Dev Johnson, and really wanted to take an opportunity. We, you know, He agreed to do the interview with us. Uh, and was really great, gave some great insight. We wanted to use it as just sort of a, a chance to get to know him. For us, and also just for the Denver Nuggets fan base, you know, this COVID year really haven't been a whole lot of opportunities to be around the players, and I think even less access for fans to get to know these players through the media. And so we thought this would be an opportunity to play some games, ask some fun questions, but also just find out his path to the Denver Nuggets and what he's thought of the season so far. So hope you enjoy it. A little bit later on in the show, going to play an excerpt from our other Denver Nuggets podcast. That's right. We have two Denver Nuggets podcasts at DNVR. This one, of course, you know, the DNVR Nuggets podcast. But we also have the Keep It at 1000 podcast with Coach George Carl. That's right. One of just nine coaches to win 1,000 games, the second winningest coach in Denver Nuggets history. He and I, every two weeks, sit down and have a conversation about the Denver Nuggets, uh, the current affairs with the Denver Nuggets, if you will, and I always find those conversations so fascinating. So later on in the show, after the Zeke Naji interview, going to play a clip from that. And of course, you can find the entire episode on wherever you get your podcast episodes. You're just going to search for the Keeping It 1000 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Those have been really great, and I can't wait for you to check them out. Without further ado, let's get to Zeke Naji. All right, now we welcome in rookie forward for the Denver Nuggets, Zeke Naji. Zeke, so much for taking time out of your day and, and, and talking with us, man. It's good to meet you finally, and it's good to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to, you know, because there's been so little just sort of interaction because of COVID, you know, fans can't be in the arena, all that different stuff. 
we thought we wanted to kind of get to know you and ask some fun questions right off the bat. Before we get to any of the other, how you got to the NBA and all, and all that stuff, just some fun getting to know you questions. So I'm going to give you a rapid fire here as a, sure. as a sort of personality calibration. Okay. Uh, first one, favorite song or musician? Um, you know, favorite song might be Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. Um, big Stevie Wonder guy. So, yeah. <laughs> Classic, man. Yeah. Go, go, going back. Uh, favorite food? Favorite food? Um, you know, that have to probably be um, uh, rice and stew. It's a Nigerian, it's Nigerian food, but it's, uh, it's really good. Whenever I go back home, I always have it. Whenever you go back home to Minnesota, or you're saying, or have you been yeah, to Nigeria? Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, favorite athlete when you were growing up? Um, I think my favorite athlete growing up was uh, Michael Jordan. I always watched YouTube videos on him, and when the Last Dance came out, you know that was that was huge. That was that was really cool to watch. Man, so I got to ask some follow ups on this one because he retired the first time in '98. So. You your experience to Michael is is it primarily through like you know DVDs and YouTube and, and stuff like that or like is there any part of the Wizards years or something? I guess you were only like three at the time. Yeah, no, I was born in two thousand one, so I don't really remember. <laughs> <a whole lot>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is wild to me. Like this is this is the new wave of players that I like. I almost forget when the birthdays were. Um, they uh, didn't line up. Uh, is there I'm any current players that you like um, grew up on? Um, really like wanting to be like, or just looked up to? Um, I remember Kobe Bryant was uh, another guy that I watched a lot. I remember the first finals that I really remember watching was him against the Celtics that first time. So yeah, he was, he was another player. Man. Um, are you an early bird or a night owl? Um, you know, I'm probably a night owl. Um, I like, I like my sleep. Uh, so I like to sleep in, in the mornings. Uh, so yeah, I guess I'm a night owl. How much sleep do you think you get? Per um, night, it depends. Like usually around eight, nine hours. I wish I could get like twelve, thirteen. <laughs> is what it is. That's what Jamal Murray was saying in the bubble when there was when they were inside and had nothing going on. That he would get his full sleep and then a five hour nap. But I'm like, it's <laughs> like half the day, man. It's amazing. What's your? You're from so being from Minnesota. What's your favorite weather? Are you like a cold weather person? Warm weather? Hot? What do you like? Yeah, I guess I like cold weather because I'm someone who's always was always really hot, and I I think that cold weather is nice because if you're hot, just take off some layers. I mean, if you're cold, you right. can just take off some layers. But like when you're hot, taking off layers doesn't always help. You know, when you're when you're in 100 degree weather. So I'm a cold person. How does Colorado compare to Minnesota from that? I mean, we're having like the coldest day ever right now. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's not as bad as Minnesota. It's it's really nice. Um, I think it's nice because it doesn't get as cold as Minnesota, so it doesn't get to some of those negative 15 below. Right. But it's yeah, I like the weather here. It's good. I went to school in South Dakota, and that's you know right next to Minnesota. Yeah. And the the weather out there is like it's not only cold, but it's it's disrespectfully cold because it's like <laughs> it's the wind, it's the wind along with the snow that yeah. just like combines to attack you every single time out. Yes, like every time you get off the bus, step out of your car. When it's windy, it's that that just makes the worst. It's the worst. Uh, I would. I've only been to Minnesota once, and it was like August twentieth. And I'm. I always tell people it's got the best weather. Minnesota's the sunniest <laughs> place on earth. Yeah, you were tricked. <laughs> I was tricked. Uh, favorite movie. Favorite movie. Uh, maybe uh, two thousand nine. Uh, either Avatar with the blue people or um, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Oh man, you got a, a bunch of classics, man. You go back, <laughs> Michael Jordan. You got good, the bad, the ugly. This is this is wild. Favorite hobby that isn't basketball or piano? We're gonna ask you about a bunch of piano questions, but um, maybe um, I don't know. Just just talk with my sisters. I talk with them a lot, um, like literally almost every day, and we'll just talk about whatever is going on. So I do that a lot with them. So yeah, that's cool. All right, that's all my calibration. I know Dev's a big AAU guy. He's got some AAU stuff for you. Yeah, okay. so, since we're on the AAU topic, uh, D1 Minnesota, I know that it's one of the like most prestigious um, AAU programs in the entire country. Could you just tell me a little bit about D1 Minnesota and also the team that you play with? There's some other players that like are high players that like five-star, four-star recruits. Can you just talk about the whole D1 Minnesota program? Yeah, D1 Minnesota was a great experience for me. Um, I went there for my last year of AAU. Um, so I was like one of the newer guys on the team, but that was a great place for me. I was 
I play on another AU team, and um, the reason I made the switch over to D1 Minnesota is because of the the player development that they did. That was huge for me because I knew that I wasn't where I wanted to be. I wanted to continue to get better, and so they did a lot of like uh, different works with like different like on the court stuff with me that helped me take my game to the next level. And then um, on top of that, we had tons of great players. Everyone on that team went um, to some sort of D1 college. And so we were we had a we had a really good team. Um, even uh, Tyrell is also in the NBA with the Mavs right now too. So you know we had a we had a really good team, and that was fun. And with all those good guys, we had a lot of um, college scouts coming to our games, and that that definitely um, brought my rankings up a little bit. And um, I got a lot of offers that year because of the talent that I was playing with. So yeah. That makes sense. Um, your top five list um, included the likes of Kansas, North Carolina, Purdue, UCLA, um, and then you went with Arizona. Why? Why Arizona? You know, at the end of the day, um, the the Arizona really just checked out the most boxes for me. Me and my family, we kind of went about the recruiting process a little differently. You know, we uh, we made a checklist of things that we looked for in a school from um, the the conference style of play, the coaching staff. Um, just the, the team coming in, um, the business school, that was that was also important to me because I wanted to study uh, finance in college. Um, and uh, the weather, too, that was that was a big factor. So, um, yeah, Arizona just happened to be the place to go. Was it an actual checklist? Like, did you actually have, like, a spreadsheet or something that you were you were yeah, my, mom, my, mom, my mom was uh, really good about that. You know, every, every time we went uh, to college, she had, like, a little Excel um, – uh, document or whatever that's awesome but yeah yeah that's awesome uh, so it seems like arizona has a thing for the naji family um i know that your little cousin elvis uh is being recruited by arizona um could you just talk about the type of player that he is also i see that your little sister maya is um a six four five star recruit and she's also being recruited by by arizona have you got to see them play at all and, and have you been a part of that process of choosing the school yeah, you know, I think it's really, I mean, for them, it's its all about their feel and what they think is best for them. But uh, I'm always pushing them to try to get to go to Arizona. Um, my cousin, he's a great uh, explosive um, forward. I think that he would fit well into Coach Miller's style of play. Um, even my sister, Maya, you know, the girls program is doing exceptionally well this year. They're like number two, like top 10 in the country for the, in terms of women's programs and uh that would be a that would be a great place for my sister to go. I think she would thrive there. That's awesome. I went. I know you were down in Impact. This year was so weird, and I'm sure you know your year at college. I'm sure was really a strange one as well, being the COVID season and all. But I want to ask you about the pre-draft process. And I know you were down in Impact with with a, a, a bunch of players. What was that like when you knew? Okay, the draft is getting pushed back. Everything's getting pushed back. What was it like, and what did players know about what they needed to do between whenever the college season ended and whenever the draft was going to happen? Yeah, that was that was a really weird experience because most of the guys, like in normal draft year, uh, throughout a normal draft process, um, they would be there for maybe about a month, maybe a month and a half. Mm -hmm. I was there from June till literally a week before the draft, so that was that was a good chunk of time I was there for, and um, it was weird because. While I was there, the draft kept getting pushed back. You know, right. the time it was supposed to be in August, and then and then um, October, and then got pushed back even more to November. But um, that was that was a, also a good opportunity for me to improve on my weaknesses, um, turn them into my strengths, um, add different elements to my game. And I think that um, overall, that time there was uh, very beneficial for me. Who all was there? I mean, I know there was a lot of prospects that were kind of all working out together who, who was there and what did those workouts what did a day look like in that sort of regimen yeah um no josh green was there tyler bay um myself reggie perry malachi flynn um different guys who were um um not in the draft process but also there were pros as well that joe works out with but um i think those days you know i would usually wake up like nine um get there around 9 15 lift for about an hour and then after that, I'll go on the court for about two hours, go back home, maybe eat, take a nap, then go back again uh, afternoon, evening, get another hour, hour and a half of just straight shots up. And um, that was usually how my days went every single day doing the same thing. I mean, it couldn't go anywhere. So my days got pretty repetitive. 
right? Um, you know, I've been I've been told going into freshman year, it wasn't expected that you'd start, let alone become the Pac-12 freshman of the year. Um, did you have any type of talks with the, the coaches going into it? And what changed for you to get you to that process of becoming a standout player? Yeah, um, I, I mean, going into my freshman year, Arizona, I had already set expectations for myself. Um, but by, by the time I committed, because I committed um, right before my senior year, of high school basketball started. Um, I had, as soon as I committed, I had my dad and my current strength coach that was in Minnesota. Um, they went down uh, to their U of A campus and met with uh, Coach Rounds, who's the strength coach there for the basketball team. And they met with him and got me on a, a program, a regiment that I could be doing before I even got to Arizona. So that way, when I when I got there, you know, I'd already be a step ahead of everyone else in terms of like how, to, how um, we lift at Arizona. And so that was, that was big for me. That gave me definitely a head start um, going into there my freshman year. But um, yeah, I mean, I really wanted to start. I really wanted to to be freshman of the year to have a great season. So I knew that every time we practiced, every time we we did anything, I wanted to try to, to push myself to be the best and to try to dominate whenever I could. And um, after about like midway through the summer, my coach realized that um, that I would definitely be a, a good player and I'll uh, be starting. And so I just kind of built from there. It's interesting because I, I was told that even with your uh, AAU team, you know, Terrell Terry, I know you had uh, a couple other guys on that team. Matthew Hurt, I know, is one of them, that maybe they were ahead of you a little bit on some of the rankings or this or that. And then you go to Arizona, same thing. I don't think people were predicting you necessarily would be the, the Pac-12 freshman of the year. Does that experience getting to play, you know, the underdog fight for everything and, and then get the recognition, is that sort of – are there any lessons you've learned in that process that maybe apply to now coming into Denver and being a guy that's okay, we're, a, you know, behind in the rotation right now, getting opportunity, what have you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I always have played with a chip on my shoulder. I think it's definitely pushed me to be better. Um, even, like, even the summer going into – going to my freshman year, I, I went out for USA tryouts um, in Colorado Springs. And I didn't make the team, but I felt like I performed really well. I performed my competition. But I didn't end up making the team, and, you know, that that hurt. And that that definitely also gave me a boost going into um, my college season to, to prove them wrong, that they, you know, made the wrong choice, and that I definitely deserve to be on the team. But, yeah, overall, I feel like um, when people doubt me or when when I when I want something, I'm going to work incredibly hard for it until, until I get it. So, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, one of the things that uh, that was talked about, you know, before the draft was um, your your choice in your diet. Uh, what what made you change your diet, and and how has that benefited you at all? Yeah, so there um, there are a couple reasons why I did. First of all, um, Andre Iguodala, former uh, Arizona player, he, you know, he came in, he came and spoke with us a couple of times uh, when when I was at Arizona, and one thing he talked about was how he became vegan and how that helped him and all the benefits he saw from that. And so that kind of got me interested in, in what it was all about. So I did some research. I watched uh, this one documentary called The Game Changers. And um, after doing some research, you know, I decided to try it out. And um, it was really beneficial for me. Uh, I felt like I had a lot more energy. Um, I felt like I was sleeping better, things like that. And the only concern I really had with it was, Will I be getting enough protein? Will I will I be losing a lot of weight? Things like that. But if you can find the right foods and and you can you can eat enough, I think that it'll be beneficial for you. I mean, I gained like 20 pounds of muscle um, during that off season while being vegan. So I mean, that was there was no problem with me gaining weight. So yeah. Are you are you still vegan? Yeah. Have you found any type of vegan places in Colorado to to go to? And if so, what is your favorite one so far? Um, no, I really like, I really like, uh, Bang Up to the Elephant. Um, that one's, uh, that was a really good one. And then, uh, Meta Burger. Those two are probably my favorite so far. Yeah. I'm going to take a quick break here to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DMVR. And let's talk seltzers. Breck is finally introducing their seltzer line and it comes in a beautiful Jokic 
15 pack. They've got apple pear. That's actually my favorite one. I've had all of these so far. I give them a 10 out of 10. I'm a, I'm a seltzer guy. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a seltzer guy. It's just such an efficient way to drink. It's so delicious and tasty. Uh, apple pear number one. If I was to rank these in, in, in order, I would say apple pear number one, peach number two, honeydew number three, cherry and berry tied for number four, but all of them are great. Um, so head to the Beck, Breck Brew locator and see what the closest 15 pack of Brett Seltzer is to you and pick one up. The DMVR fam, we had them all over the weekend. I'm telling you guys, Friday night game, Saturday night game, this is the best. I have the best job in the world. We do our show. We watch the game. We do our show. And then afterward, we all hang out. And what are we drinking the entire night? That's right. Breck Brew Seltzers. They're absolutely fantastic. You're going to want to check them out. Support our partners. And I'm telling you, you're curious. I know you're listening to this. You are curious what Breck Brew can make with a seltzer. Honeydew, unique flavors, apple pear. You're going to want to check them out. And then, of course, if you're sticking to bear, beer, if you're a beer person, don't forget to check out the Mile High City Copper Lager. This is a beer can that looks like the gorgeous City Edition jerseys. You know it. You can't go already off to a great start. You're going to want to check them out. So check them out. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer partner of DNVR. Also want to tell you about the presenting sponsor today, guys, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and they're giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any basketball team to hit a three-pointer, any of them. Any basketball team to hit a single three-pointer this week, and if your team makes a single three, you win $100. That's right. All it takes is one three-pointer. This is a no-brainer, a slam dunk of an offer, uh, a wide-open Zeke Naji three-pointer, if you will. Uh, you know it's going to be money. Check it out. If basketball isn't your thing, why are you listening to the show? But, uh, of course, they have daily odds on hockey, soccer, and everything else. Uh, they paid out over $7 billion. This is legit. This isn't some offshore thing, guys. 100% legit, legalized here in Colorado, and they've paid out billions of dollars since they've been open since 20, 2012, so you know there's nothing sketchy about it. DraftKings Sportsbook, download their app now, use promo code DNBR when you do, and turn that $1 bet into $100. Automatic, no-brainer. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for de details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, we got a, our, our third member here. We're going to bring him on, Harrison, when he's having some computer wow. issues. But um, Harrison, this is Zeke. Zeke Harrison. I've, I've only uh, asked you questions virtually, Zeke, but it's it, it's good to go face-to-face. -face. Good to see you. Oh, uh, this, this is a good time. Sorry, before we transition into the next process, um, the Reddit world loves you. I'm not sure if you're like with the Reddit world, but we've been having a discussion about what your nickname is. Uh, a lot of people call you Piano Man. I'm not sure if there's a nickname that you like more <laughs> of all. Uh, I don't know. I didn't even I didn't even know that I was I was big on Reddit, but uh, I don't know. I guess when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, everyone would call me Zeke the Freak. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah i don't know <laughs> i like so do you like the piano, piano man though man? i like both of them yeah i mean i don't know piano man sounds kind of cool i mean i can play on the piano so yeah uh, um so harrison we're now we're gonna get into some nugget stuff here because we got to keep the the thing moving um but i, I want to ask you first here zeke just what what did you know about the denver nuggets before you were drafted and leading up to it was there any you know what indications did you have that denver might be the place you were going to wind up yeah, so I mean, I, I watched them um, when they were playing in the bubble. Um, they had some pretty incredible runs. I'm coming back twice, down three-one. Yeah. So that was pretty incredible. I knew they had a great center in uh, Jokic um, and a great point guard in Jamal Murray. But um, knew that they were on a selfish team and they were about the right things. But other than that, uh, not much else. Um, but yeah, um, I could kind of tell they were. They were into me when they came to one of my uh, pre-draft workouts, um, and they they spent time on uh, talk with me, things like that. And I could tell that they were showing interest after that. Was there anything unique about their pre-draft process? I mean, how how different is each team's approach to interviewing players? Yeah, um, you know, I, at first we didn't know when the the draft was going to be, so or what the order was going to be. So I kind of interviewed with a lot of teams right away at first, just to. Yeah just to get my name out there and everything. And um, I felt like I kind of became a, a professional at that because after a while you kind of get some of the same questions um, and you kind of know what to not what to say to some of those things. But yeah, I mean, it was weird too because even um, the actual workout itself, 
um, was held at Impact. And so all the teams, I know that they normally set up the workout, but it was this time that uh, my uh, my trainer was setting up the workout for the team to watch. So it was a little bit different than, than most years. Gotcha. If you go back to your early days, Denver drafts you, you get to Denver. I know everything was kind of hushed, rushed this year because of how, how condensed everything was. But what can you tell us about those first days? You know, was, who was reaching out to you on the team? What was the environment like in those early days of pre-camp and, and getting to know everyone? Yeah, it was it was definitely weird because got into the hotel um, and then the next day I had a, a workout, right? And my workout, it was just me and one other coach on the court. Um, and there was really only two people and two players in the facility at a time. It was really um, hard to actually like interact with the other guys in person. And so uh, Jamal Murray, um, you know, Gary Harris, Michael Porter, Paul, they were all reaching out to me, um, just tell me, you know, hang in there, um, how everything's going, things like that. But I remember that that first workout, you know, it was a it was a one on zero. I mean, it was a one on zero with the coach, right? And um, I'm I'm going hard, and after about five minutes, I was. I was gassed, like <laughs> I was grabbing my knees. It was it was miserable, and the altitude really got to me. That was that was my first experience of like altitude, and that was that was uh, that was crazy. <laughs> the altitude thing is so funny because when pre-COVID, whenever guys would come in for their pre-draft workouts and they would do the interview with the media, it's always altitude, altitude, altitude. How did the altitude affect you? Like, how much are you feeling it? And living living in Denver for you know so long, it's it's such second nature now that I don't yeah. even think about it. But it, it kills everybody. It kills yeah. everybody. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it can it can hit you like a freight train if you're not expecting it. So, do you think you're like uh, now? You have Colorado lungs now that you've been here several months now. Do you feel like you're fully fully acclimated? Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like it's not a problem anymore. I feel like I'm yeah. used to it now. What are some of your personal individual goals for this rookie season of yours? Like big, big picture things. Yeah. Um, I think I want to, you know, crack the rotation, um, get some minutes, contribute to house team win however I can um, continue to get better, um, developing my ball handling and playing, playing more like a, like a three, four. Um, then getting stronger and just working on my defensive uh, quickness. I think that's, that's big for me too. Cause I want to be, someone who can be like a lockdown defender, guard those big wings, be a versatile defender, switch on the guards, guard centers. I think that that's, those are some of my goals. It's funny because in the pre-draft, all the interviews I saw with you, you kept talking about, I'm, I'm a five, but I can play the four. Those are the two positions. But it it seems like now you're, we're adding the three to that. And part of this, what Denver needs, but also I just think, you know, with your versatility out on the wing, has that become, you know, w- what is the point of emphasis there? And how do you work on, you know, playing a position you probably haven't played too much of it in your your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did more of that in high school. I was more a three four in high school, um, but in college, you know, that's not what they needed for me. We needed a more of an interior presence, so I had to step up and take on that role. But um, yeah, it's a lot of ball handling, a lot of um, watching film, um, just a lot of um, moving with the ball. Um, reading, um, going off screens, uh, dribble handoffs, things like that. I think those are, those are some of the biggest things. Dev, how many how many high schools in, in Denver have a, a 6'9 small forward? Small forward? Well, he said yeah. he played some three in yeah. high school. There's, so there's, I'm just there's there's one player. Five, six, nine high school first players. off, there's about six players in the state that are 6'9". <laughs> right. and, and then for two, a 6'9 small forward, there's probably one. And he's at like the smallest level in Colorado you could be at. I don't even know. I don't even know any other player on Zeke's high school team, but I'm sure they would have won state at all five levels here in Colorado. If, he's, if he was a six nine small forward, what, what was that? You did, talk about, you did talk about some of those things being your individual goals um, that you laid out for yourself. Are those the same messages that are coming from the team um, or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I can tell. I mean, with talking with the coaches, that those are things that they that they need from me as well, and. So that's why I made them my goals to so I can be able to help a team out. Yeah. Here's here's my question for Zeke on uh, on like defending small forwards. How much? Because we always hear from young guys like experience is the best teacher. Experience is the only teacher. You can watch so much film, 
But how much does it really come down to the fact that you just have to be like out on the court learning from your mistakes and learning from experience, especially on defense, just in the NBA? Oh, yeah. No, exactly. Um, yeah, like you said, you can only watch so much films. Films can only get you so far. Um, really being out there, um, even playing one-on-one, playing two-on-two, three-on-three, I think those are those are big help, uh, helpers as well. But, yeah, just being out there, um, um, learning from your mistakes and growing, I think that's the best way you can, you can learn anything, really. Um, and if you want to become a great defender, I think that yeah, there was a really interesting quote on a podcast with Andrew Bogut. He was talking about Andre Iguodala, actually, somebody you referenced earlier. He was talking about how Iguodala would really give the cold shoulder to young players when they couldn't think the game. And it almost and he would let him know, like, I don't want you here. Like, you got to be smart to play for the Warriors. He's talking about, of course, those Warriors teams. And I'm just wondering how much of playing at this level and this experience so far, your first couple uh, months, how much has the challenge been a physical one, the speed, the power of the game, all those things? And how much of it has been a mental one, just learning all of the little intricacies of the NBA game? Yeah, I think it's more been a, a mental than a physical. I think that I'm physically there. I think that it's a lot of more mental because you have to learn the plays, you have to learn the defensive schemes. And there's a lot that goes on on the defensive end that um, if you're not locked in and you don't know it, that you can get burned really easily. So the defensive end, um, like – being able to help side, um, rotating, thinking and feeling, things like that, those have been more of the, the focus. What does your routine look like on uh, game day? You know, prior – right now, obviously, there's been opportunities for, for you with, with so many injuries and this or that. But even prior to that, what was your what does your game day routine look like? And how does the team manage to bring young players along when they're not getting minutes in, in, in games? Yeah, it's a lot of player development, really. We lift uh, literally every day um, right after lifting. We'll go and do some on-the-court stuff for about an hour, um, and then that'll be in the morning, and then we'll come back again in the afternoon, and then we'll we'll go on the court again, do some more work right before the game, do some recovery, and then really get ready for the game, and um, and then just, yeah, I mean, the game will come. But a lot of it is three-on-three three as well, three-on-three, four-on-four, just to make sure we're, we're staying in shape and we're not we're, – whenever we're called up, uh, we're in game shape. Uh, what has been your biggest surprise about being in the NBA so far? And thus far, what is your, like, welcome to the NBA moment? Uh, may, rather it be in practice or film study or, or what have you? Yeah, um, you know, I think that uh, the biggest surprise for me coming to the NBA, you know, was just how how much is going on, like how much you have to, to read and react to on the court. There's a lot more than I thought. Um, but – I, I feel like I haven't really had a welcome to the NBA moment yet. You know, I know yeah. it's going to come, but I haven't had it yet. So <laughs> I think that that poster dunk you got up against LeBron uh, in a couple in tomorrow here. So oh, yeah. you're going up against LeBron, the Lakers. Not, now you're playing a little. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We got to move on a couple other things here. You know, obviously want to ask you about the piano because that's been, you know, a big storyline. Sometimes guys will say like, I got a hobby and it's like, okay, it'll be a place. Got a hobby, plays a little piano. I don't know what he can do. Here. You're like an amazing piano player. This is like more than just a hobby. When did it start? And, and sort of what was, what do you think was the inspiration for you to sort of, you know, devote so much in, into the piano? Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, I'd always loved the piano. Like, as a four-year-old, I had a little toy piano with, like, 20 keys on it that I'd be playing a lot. And, you know, when I got to first grade, my parents finally enrolled me in piano lessons. My mom played a little bit of piano. My dad wished she could have, and they both regretted not playing it more. So they really wanted to make sure that, that I learned how to. And I've been playing from first grade to, to present day, you know. Um, that's, that's something I do a lot. I think that I really got into it because – Growing up, I didn't play a lot of video games or things like that because I, I didn't really have that. So piano was my video games and my free time. I'll go sit down on the piano, you know, play a little song, you know. And um, that's, that's I think, really where my love for piano grew. So I got, I'm, I'm a musician a little bit myself, not quite like you. I got my hollow body back here, but I always tell these these two knuckleheads, always playing video games. I say, pick up a hobby, you guys. We <laughs> <laughs> crossover between just the amount of hours and the amount of practice and dedication you had to put into piano to become the player you are. Is there any crossover to basketball just with the discipline you have to have and just kind of the, 
I, I don't know, just the dedication there, yeah. just the concentration maybe. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Cause I feel like I really started taking piano seriously as a kid way before I started taking basketball seriously. Cause in first grade, you know, everyone just goes out and plays, but in piano as a first grade, you know, you gotta, you gotta sit down you gotta really put time in and dedicate, dedicate a lot of time to actually learning and mastering a piece. And so, yeah, piano taught me that if you want to, if you want to master something, you got to sit down, you got to repeat it over and over to build the correct muscle memory. Um, and just with practice and over time, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get it down. Same way you have to spend time uh, in the gym, working on your shot, build the correct muscle memory to shoot the ball well. So, yeah. Would you ever want to play like a, like a concert or something? I know, I, I know I've, I've seen, I've read from some things before. You did not want to be a professional musician, but would it be fun to play like, you know, some shows? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when I, pl I played uh, the national anthem in front of our, yeah. our Red right. Blue game, and that was that was really nerve wracking. That was like the most nervous <laughs> I'd ever been for anything. Luckily, I didn't mess up, but I don't know if I can handle those nerves again. <laughs> I know it, man. How did you play that day after? What? How did you play after playing the piano in, before the rivalry game? How was your game? Oh, no, I played well. I played well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the new key then. Um, I want to ask you last things here about your foundation, because I know you just set up the Zeke Naji Foundation and what little I heard about it sound really interesting. Grassroots sports and education development. Is that is that correct in, in Nigeria? Yeah, not just in Nigeria, but also here uh, in, in the U.S. and Minnesota, where I grew up, um, trying to set up some um, basketball courts and vocational schools in Nigeria and giving back to the community here in Minnesota and uh, America, where I, where I grew up. Um, I've already done some stuff with my high school and uh, the schools that I was at growing up. So that, I mean, it means a lot to me to give back to, to the community that I grew up in. Cause I mean, when you're given much, you know, you're much is expected of you. So I want to make sure I can give back to the people who did a lot for me growing up. There's a lot of neat grassroots sports organizations tied to the NBA right now. I know NBA Africa, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Giants of Africa program or or the Seeds Academy there. It seems like this is a new thing of providing, you know, one outlet to provide education, but also just just outlets for for, for kids a, across the continent. Um, it, it seems to be a growing thing. Like what what experience have you had with any other organizations? And also just what have you you know, have you been to Nigeria? Have you spent any time there? Like what is what, what all is your connection with Nigeria? Yeah. Um yeah, we're actually collaborating with uh, NBA Africa to do some of those things in Nigeria. I mean, it's only, I mean, it's only just getting started, but, you know, I want this to, to definitely be something I do a lot of. But, um, yeah, I've been to Nigeria about three, four times growing up. I haven't been back maybe in about, like, three years. So it's been, it's been a while, but, you know, I love going back, seeing my family there. And it's, it's always a powerful experience, you know, going back there, seeing, seeing the people, seeing some of the poverty that they go through. But always having a smile on their faces, always being so cheerful and, and just fun to be around. It's uh, definitely a place that I take pride in that, I, that I'm a part of. That is pretty neat. Uh, we just talked about having a 6'9 small forward in Colorado. Um, the two highest ranked or coveted players in Colorado um, are both from Senegal and they came into the state. Um, so with that, they have to transition to playing like at the smaller levels and they're dominating, they're ranked in the country. <laughs> Um, so I think that just having someone in their home state that's also um, a professional um, that's given back to to their continent, I think that that like is is major. If you ever wanted to to just look into them, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Dev, Dev's your guy, man. He's so connected across all of the basketball levels here in Colorado. Um, Zeke, thank you so much for taking this time, man. This was really good to get to know you. Like I said, it's it's been a bummer the COVID year and on, on every front, but one of them is just not getting to be around the team and see you guys. And so it was really nice to get to talk face-to-face -face with you. Yeah, nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me. Final break here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Before we get to George Carl and hear a little excerpt from him and I, I want to tell you about MSU Denver Online. Now is the time to apply and register for classes. MSU Denver Online, uh, time and time again, the one thing that will protect you 
against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. Go and build your toolbox at MSU. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, uh, and they do all kinds of different types of programs, guys. Convenient courses, uh, professors that know how to teach online, everything, uh, just a lot of really great stuff. Uh, so you're gonna wanna check them out, MSU Denver Online. I also wanna tell you about the Colorado XOs. Introducing the Colorado Expos, Rugby Town USA is excited to introduce you to our new rugby venture and team, the Colorado Exos. Exos athletes uh, who are athletes who have competed at the highest level of their respective sports. Coming from backgrounds in football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, and track and field, these athletes possess all the necessary skills to excel at the game of rugby. Many of these guys you may have heard of, like uh, Taniela Tupou, former Seahawk, Falcon, and also played for the Arizona Cardinals. You can learn about all the athletes and their stories at infinityparkglendale.com. By placing these athletes in a full-time rugby training environment, Rugby Town USA hopes to expedite their development and inject the United States national team with elite talent to help them compete on the global stage. It's a really cool venture. First two matches scheduled will be live streamed on April 3rd and 10th, so mark your calendars. And don't forget Colton Strickler. If you're curious about more information about this, our guy at DNVR, Colton Strickler, is covering them with a DNVR Rugby podcast. So check them out and hit the subscribe button. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, hope you enjoyed that interview with Zeke Naji and kind of getting to know him and his personality. Really seems like a great guy. Uh, up next is an excerpt from George Carl and I discussing the Denver Nuggets, and I highly recommend, I'm telling you, this this venture, not everybody has made the, the trek over to, ch to check out this podcast, and I'm telling you, you're missing so many really interesting insights from George Carl. He has a different perspective from the fan. He has a different perspective from the media. He has a different perspective even even from some of the modern day, you know, coaches or front office people, but he's so unfiltered and he always gives me a lot of things to think about. So you're going to want to check it out. Hope you enjoy this excerpt from that show. How do you teach? Is IQ just a thing you have? But when we talk about read and react basketball, a lot of players have come through an AAU system or even a college system that's very regimented. How do you teach flow basketball to young players? Or, or, or do some people get it and some people don't? I think there's some guys that are way ahead of the curve in teaching flow basketball, way yeah. ahead of the curve. And then there are a lot of other guys trying to do a little bit of both. I want, I want my flow. I want my, I want my sets. Right. And there is a philosophy to it that I believe in, that commitment is the word. If you commit to flow basketball and you know you're going to give your offensive players, your, your players, you're going to give them a lot of offensive decisions. Coaches got to have some patience. Right. Coaches are going to realize you're going to have a bad game. You're going to realize that you're not going to look good all the time. And, and when, when coaches go on losing streaks and their team's not playing well, they go back to their old roots. Flow basketball was kind of a new thing. And uh, there are some coaches in, uh, are ahead of the curve right now. I actually think Oklahoma City coach is doing a good job with yeah. their offensive players. I don't even know who they are. And they, they actually look like <laughs> they play pretty good offense after that. Right, right. And are they going to win? They probably won't win 30 games. But that doesn't mean he doesn't, he's not doing a good job. Uh, so everything's predicated on winning uh, but flow basketball, there is a rhythm, and there are certain guys that do it better than others. And now that you have in the NBA, the vast majority, probably two-thirds, probably three-fourths of the league, want to play flow basketball. But I'm not sure there's three-fourths of the league, league's coaches want to play flow basketball. Why is that? Oh, you know, older coaches get, have – you know, they get in their rhythm. You know, mm. they have their, their fun. They have their fundamental philosophies that they want. Um, and change is hard. Change is hard in all of us. Uh, and then the pressure and stress of making a change when it's, when you have to have patience for it to improve, to get to where it was going to be successful. 
then you're throwing a lot of losses in on the farm. Right. And losses is what creates uh, energy in coaches to go back. You know, and you know, the theory in coaching is when you lose, cut your playbook in half and simplify and go mm -hmm. back to your roots, go back to your fundamentals. Uh, so I think if you're on a successful team, you can, you know, you have to, you have the luxury kind of like Denver to maybe go on a, a two or three game losing streak because they're going to, they're good. Right. And you're doing that to grow the rhythm of how you want to play. Makes sense. I think Golden State has done a good job of early in the season. They looked awful. Yeah. And, and now they're looking like, eh, I'm not sure they're a playoff team, but I know they're playing much better basketball. They also reduced their big rookie. I mean, they had, you know, the big man was the new, the newcomer, not really, he's trying to learn a whole new system. He's trying to learn flow basketball and it was slow progress. It seems like, and I'm not trying to blame him or anything for this, but it does seem like once he went out, more veteran players come in and all of a sudden you can get that, that flow state. And Steph Curry, of course, excels maybe more than any other player when the ball gets moving like that and everybody's reading and reacting. He, he punishes defenses at a historic level. Um, if I go back to, to Iguodala, though, in, in his comment, the Nuggets veteran on the on the roster, you know, I guess you could say Will Barton maybe is a veteran as well, but also Paul Millsap. And I wonder if the Nuggets and Michael Porter in particular could use a wing veteran. If there's like something to a guy that plays your position that knows that that has these things to maybe help him get along, because in my and you can correct me if I'm wrong. In my estimation, Michael Porter has a long way to go to being able to play flow basketball at a high level. Tell me what position Michael Porter is. A forward. What type of forward? <laughs> That's the. I mean, that is the thing. I. Th I mean, I, I, I'm. I'm being honest with you. So, I think he's a four man. Yeah. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he thinks he's a three man. Mm. He's probably a three man and wants to be a two man. Right. Mm. And I think he's a four man. I think his most opportunities on this team is playing four. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen him in four very much. Yeah. I, again, he's been hurt. He's an inconsistent. He has a lot of competition at three. Uh, but now Barton's hurt. And now Harris is hurt. Right, right. Now there isn't competition at three. Now he's getting kind of slapped around because he's not playing very well. So I, and, and I'm with you. I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a really good player, but you want him to be a good player without playing. That's not going to happen. He's going to have to go through the process. He's not LeBron. He's not, he's not one of these kids that come into the league and then they play 30 or 40 games and they're, they're They got it. They got it figured right. out. Right. That's not Michael Porter Jr. He's got to learn defense. He's got to put more weight on his body. He's got to learn to be professional on every possession rather than having what right. I call selfish possessions. Right. Uh, he throws, he throws a lot of junk into the game that, because of his talent, we accept. But if it was RJ Hampton throwing that junk into the game, he wouldn't be playing. <laughs> right, no doubt, no no doubt about that. What do you what do you think he's going through over these last two weeks? And I'm going to read you off his stats. So I'm talking about Michael Porter here. Thirty nine percent from the field, twenty five percent from three. He's really been, you know, I think he's a confident guy at times. You could even say a cocky guy, just the way maybe he carries himself. And you could tell, I think he has a confidence crisis at the moment. He looks like he second guesses himself more than maybe he has in his entire life. But certainly since I've been watching him, what do you think he's going through when it, it you know, when he goes through a slump like this and it's so clear that he is a step behind everybody else, you know, the veteran players on this roster. Oh, uh, you know, he's searching and, and you know, the, the part we talked, the mental health part about being alone. Yeah. When you're searching and you're alone, it's not a, not a fun place. I'm hoping he has some support. And, you know, I think the NBA is doing a better job. Every organization is doing more of a job of having people cater to when a guy's going. You know, I, there are a lot of times I would go to my assistant coaches, hey, take him out to lunch. Go hang out with him. Pick his brain. See how what's going on on at home. How's everything with mom and dad or his family, whatever. Uh, I think you you got to have a pulse there. But Michael Porter Jr. right now is just growing. Uh, 
I think he's picking up some habits that scare me a little bit. His balance on his shot. Mm. Uh, you know, he's drifting more. He seems to be taking off-balance shots much more often than before. Uh, but when my, I remember when my son wasn't playing very good in college basketball. And I told I kept telling him, I said, Kobe, I don't like your first two or three shots to, the, to be three-point shots. I want, I think it's best to go make a layup or go get an easy one. Mm, right. Rather than put the stress on you that you got to make a shot. Right. You know, let the, let the game give you some things before you go out hunting for some things. It's kind of where I think Michael is a little bit. He, he wants, he wants to score. That's what makes him tick, but he's got to understand. He's got a lot of guys in the team that are better at him than scoring right now. And he's got to earn the right to take the shots that he takes. I kind of feel, and this is projection because this is the COVID year. I'm not around. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not around these guys nearly as much. And even then, you know, you're, you're, you're only seeing so much, but I get the sense that he is learning that lesson quite a bit over the last, over this entire season, really the whole idea of I've always been the best. I know I still can be the best, all this different, all these different things, but wow, these guys are better than me and they get it more than I do. And I need to like, try to figure out what it is that they know. Do you get that sense at all from watching him? And I think that's part of the confidence being rattled is his realization of, wow, I'm, I'm actually behind all these guys. You know, the feedback and feeling I get my, I, you know, when I talk to some guys is Michael Porter Jr. has got a good head on his shoulder. Right. You know, they're, they're not unhappy with his head. They're unhappy with his, individual performances and, and maybe reactions at times. Right. And, um, and, you know, he's a young kid. Someone told me he wasn't even 21 yet. I mean, that's pretty amazing. If you think about it. Uh, but for me is, uh, you know, I mean, last year was an up and down year. I mean, until the bubble and then he had some big nights in the bubble. But the whole thing now, everything about the bubble in this year, I'm, I'm taking with a little bit of a, a grain of salt where, I'm, whoa, is that the real? Is that real? Or is that just the process, a part of the process? And I mean, Michael, you know, he didn't, he would probably rather be going to Portland with a full house right. or playing in front of a home crowd with a full house. That would help his confidence right there. Right. I mean, being, being in front of your home building and making that first shot and getting off and getting into a game and all of a sudden the momentum of the game and the crowd carries you into a special night. Um, you know, I think that's how, you know, play, people, fans think that's easy to do, but playing 48 minutes playing a complete game at, with greatness is really a special yeah. player. Hope you guys enjoyed both of those interviews. Of course, you could catch out, catch the full interview with George Carl and the Keeping It 1000 podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. And that new episodes drop every two weeks, always covering current events with the Denver Nuggets. And we really hope you enjoy the interview with Zeke Naji. Really great guy. And I think going to be a fan favorite, maybe in the running for Mr. Nugget before too long. Before we get out of here, though, I want to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental Group, uh, the best damn family owned dentist in all of the metro area located right there in Lakewood. They're the mom and pop type shop family owned that gets to know you send you cards on your birthday and on holidays things like that checks in on you make sure everything's going all right and then they just do a great job of really making you aware of your own dental hygiene and dental health and, and really just taking care of you and all the things that you need to do a comfortable nobody likes going to the dentist you might as well find somebody that makes you as comfortable as possible and right now if you get a cleaning x-ray and exam you receive a free sonicare toothbrush tweet at us when you go there let us know and of course, let us see that free Sonicare toothbrush if you go. Take a picture of it and let us know that you became a member at Green Mountain Dental Group. 